everybody. Welcome to Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling, joining you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa, where there is a future Trojans wrestling club practice going on right behind me. Joey Laser coming off the U.S. Open is running the show tonight. Uh, so you may hear that a little bit in the background. I'm um, joined on the phone, as always, from St. Louis by my co-host, David Mercatani. David, welcome back from Las Vegas. Thank you, sir. I came back. My house is literally an island right now. I am flooded in, basically. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, I should have stayed I, there an extra day. I came back, and it was like 40 degrees and raining sideways when I got back to Iowa. So that was a little bit of shock to the system. Well, I have to drive up literally a golf cart path for about three-quarters of a mile to get out of my subdivision. So That's not good. It's, uh, no, it's not good. And uh, this is the second time this has happened in a year and a half, so I may be changing residence. <laughs> the fun part of living on this golf course is not worth it when this happens. So, um, but, yeah, it was Vegas was cool. The wrestling was phenomenal. And uh, the rain is, is here. And I just saw the forecast. We're supposed to get more in the next two days. So it's going to be great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Maybe go buy, buy yourself a boat. <laughs> <laughs> little pontoon boat yeah exactly yeah exactly trade your golf cart in and get a boat get around the course there you go anyway u.s open in the books pan am championships coming up this weekend you can catch those on track wrestling european championships day one of the euros in the books those are on track wrestling as well uh high school rule changes coming down the pipe here two-piece uniforms now uh, is an alternative. Uh, Kevin Beasley, All-American from Old Dominion, transferring to Michigan. Jared Verclaren, the last of the, uh, I think, uh, top, top blue-chip recruits on the board, is following that train of talent on the way to Happy Valley, going to stay in-state and go to Penn State. Got a lot of ground to cover, David. Where do you want to get this thing started this week? Yeah, you know, I think the you know, I guess the way that I saw the order was I saw Beasley popped up and is going to Michigan, and you know, we had just gotten done talking about Michigan and Arizona State being teams that we thought could make a big jump, and uh, you know, clearly, you know, he's a guy. I looked at my preseason rankings. I think he's fourth or fifth when I was looking at it. Uh, I've got him at four because there's only three other All Americans ahead of him: Moore, Hot, and Weigel. So. I mean, obviously he's not locked in there, but I mean, to pick up a guy that's a preseason number four, even if it's just a one-year rental with the team they have, that's huge. And, uh, you know, so that's that's big. For clearing the Penn State, they just keep things rolling. I'm working right now, literally as we speak, I'm trying to get Cody Sanderson on Matt Chat in the next couple of weeks. And uh, so that's big. And um, I also want to just pass out my condolences and best wishes to the Martin family. Steve Martin at Old Dominion, his mom passed away um, the middle of this past week. And anybody who knows Steve knows he's just a dear, dear person and how, how close family is out there or how close their family is out there. So there's probably going to be no good segue from that. But I, I just wanted to pass along my thoughts and prayers, and I think really the wrestling community's thoughts and prayers to Steve and his family. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, not really a good segue from that. But, uh, you know, we opened this thing uh, – talking about the open at the top and uh you know we were both out there right um you know what four days of uh tremendous wrestling that i gotta see uh almost too much wrestling you know if, if there is such a thing i shouldn't say too much but Price too much in a short amount of time <laughs> exactly how do i want to word this too much going on at once is the way to put too it. much I mean, great wrestling at one time to, to soak it all up. Uh, how about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I never did an exact mat count, but there had to have been like 30 plus out there. Right. I mean, between the, the uh, South point arena and then, uh, you know, the convention center or whatever it is on the back there, um, you know, just, just more wrestling than you could, could follow at one time. And, uh, you know, with obviously the, the senior open, the freestyle open going on, the world team trials for Greco and, and women, uh, the UWW juniors 
in both styles, the Western regionals in both styles, um, youth tournaments. Uh, there was absolutely no shortage of, of top wrestling going on out there. So much to process. David, coming off of that, what are things that are primary in your mind? What are, what are the things that are at, at the forefront uh, for you as you got well, back before, in Vegas? Well, before we get into the wrestling part of it, like the actual nuts and bolts of it, I was telling a friend of mine who called me today and asked me about my time out there. I told him, and this is, no, you know, I mean, we're friends with USA Wrestling. They're not paying us to plug it. But if you want to literally see just the top, top guys in the country and not spend as much on tickets as you do at other events and literally be able to get a lot physically closer to the wrestling and get great seats, people should go to the U.S. Open. And they should go to the World Team Trials. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean. You and I are sitting there, and we're, we're sitting in, like, two rows from Gabe Dean and three rows from Mark Hall and, you know, two seats over from Lee Pritz. And, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're, you're media, and I'm pseudo-media. But, I mean, we're just sitting in the stands, literally. And, I mean, that's – it's – I can't stress that enough. It's just it's a super cool experience. And, and, you know, I got to hang around with some guys that have some, you know, extra access and stuff like that. But it's – it's really, it's a cool, cool thing. And, you know, I think most of us are kind of wrestling nerds and to be around those guys. And, and the other, you know, the kids were, kids got autographs, were able to walk right up to, I mean, Jordan Oliver was signing autographs 10 minutes before he you know, was walking down to the warm-up mat. So, you know, he wasn't the only one. I just saw him doing that. Uh, Deringer was doing it. I mean, a bunch of those guys were doing it. And it's just a really... Yeah, I don't. You know, they're going to Vegas. I'm not saying it's like the most family friendly place in the world, but the wrestling part of it was super, you know, super family or fan friendly. So I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, let me stop you for a second while, while we're on this topic because uh, you bring up a point, and I've made this uh, like like you remind me of something that's been in my head for a long time, and I've said this to different people. You know, I cannot think of another sport where the higher you go on the ladder. Uh, you get to the top step of the ladder and the crowds are significantly smaller than what they are at, at other steps of the ladder. I mean, there are, you know, high, great school, great uh, high school state tournaments, high school state tournaments, <laughs> yeah. I'll draw the U.S. Open. Um, oh, by a million. All yeah. over the place, I'll, I'll draw the U.S. Open. Um, you know, uh, like you'll even find some high school duels in places that that uh, have crowds that rival what there was there in Vegas, and and it, I don't, I, I've never been able to figure that out. Whether you know, whether it's just we're not marketing the sport right, whether it's the team element, whether it's you know the fact that you know an event like the Open, but but it's the same way for World Team Trials in the summer. Um, you know, there's there's just such, you know, we talked about it before on this show, like how, how we're piggybacking these events one after another, and it just gets to be a lot for the wrestling consumer to, to keep going. Sure. But, um, but uh, you know, like the Olympic trials in Iowa City last year, and they, they did pretty well, but they didn't completely sell the, the place out. And uh, you're talking about, you know, a program that will, will put more people in the seats for, uh, dual meets on, on a regular basis than what they got in the Olympic trials. And so I've, I've just never been able to figure out like how we as a sport can draw more for the highest levels. Cause it, you know, is it, is it, is it the freestyle Greco, you know, the international styles are hard to follow for people. Do you think that that's part of it? What do you think it I think it's, I think it's loyalty to the laundry. I think that people like, you know, you like Jason Nolf and Zane Rutherford, these guys that are still in college, like people get psyched because they're scoring team points for Penn State. You know, they're not scoring points for – that means more to them than Nittany Lion Wrestling Club or Titan Mercury or our Martorian Sun Kiss Kids. And I, I just think that's it because, I mean, the backside matches on Saturday morning were ridiculous how good these guys – there's national champions wrestling for seventh. You know, I mean – it's crazy how good it was. And, you know, people just – I think a lot of it is money. I think a lot of it is it's right after, you know, it's right after nationals or relatively close. You know, people don't have as much money to spend. Probably if you're leaving and, you know, you're leaving your family behind, it's a lot easier to explain you're going to St. Louis than Vegas. 
You know, I mean, sounds a lot better, but it, it, yeah, it's got to be part marketing too because you look at a bracket like 86 kilos where Bo Nickel doesn't win it, you know, Gabe Dean doesn't win it, and David Taylor wins it, and he's still not even the number one guy. He's still got to wrestle the bracket just to get the cocks. I mean, that's yeah. crazy, crazy good, right? You know, uh-huh. this is one one weight class. But, I mean, Gabe Dean and Bo Nickel, literally, what, six weeks ago, that was the match we were all talking about. Now, ah, okay. Yeah, you yeah. I mean, yeah, Gabe I mean, Dean took many, seven. How... Gabe Dean took seven. It's crazy. You know, so. Yeah, yep. How many Hodge winners I, were there at 74 kilos? I mean, were there three? At, 70, there were at least three. At there, least three. More? Yeah. Well, and I bet, I bet when it's over, it's four. I bet Mark Hall gets one. <laughs> you know, if you look back on it, yeah. It, I, I just can't stress to people enough, you know, that they should put this event on their calendar. And I don't know that this will be better than the World Team Trials or not. I, you know, but it's bigger. There's more guys there. You know, yeah, so I, I'd personally like to see him find a, you know, and I say this and then somebody else may have a completely opposite take than me and feel like, um, you know, that, that they should keep a schedule as is, but, but man, it just, it just seems like it's a lot to like those semifinals that are going on, bang, 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 while there are our world team um, spots being awarded for Greco and women. At the same time, it's just like I would just like to see them slow it down and spread it out a little bit so you can actually watch it all and, and take it all in. But, you know, that's just me. I mean, there's probably some other people that, that like the, the pace of the tournament and like to be out there and, you know, be out by the pool and go sit in the casino too. But, but uh, man, I, yeah. I, I just <laughs> – there's so much great wrestling going on, and I, I feel like I didn't – I feel like I missed more than I got to see. Yeah, and it's so crazy, like, how easy it is to hang out with certain people. Like, I got to watch the finals with Juan Archuleta, who's the king of the cage champ, standing on one side of me, and Clarissa Chun, the Olympic medalist, on the other side of me. We're literally, like, right next to each other talking about shot clocks and, you know, those kind of things. And, you you know, if you, you're right. There's so many matches going on with the final day. We were trying to get to a spot where we could – no matter what was going on, we could we had a, a line of sight where you could see one mat and the other mat was on the screen, whichever way you were looking. So, you know, you could at least catch what was going on in your periphery one way or the other. I just can't stress it enough. It was super cool. The matches were unbelievable. I mean, yeah, there's new rules, and I'm sure we're, I, we'd have to be crazy to not touch on that. But just the level of wrestling. I mean, when your Hodge winner, you know, a guy like – uh, Rutherford, who's an absolute hammer, you know, takes third. You know, that's a good weight class. You know, when you, you got to took fifth at the Olympics, take second. You know, that's a good weight class. You know, and I mean, you look at all the guys that were, you know, I mean, Kellen Russell, two-time champ, Jimmy Kennedy, multiple-time All-American, Dardanes, multiple-time All-American. I mean, the weight class is just stupid. The weight classes are stupid good at, at every weight. It's just so fun to watch. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so really, really. So where fun. do you want to start with the open? What are your big takeaways? You want to start with Dake and and uh, Burroughs? You want to start with that one? That's the one that people are talking about the most. Uh, it, it seems. Sure, because I I I literally talked to Mark Manning this morning because he's gonna we're we're doing our interview tomorrow and uh, you know his you know I don't want to you know we just touched on some things but. Um, you know, I think both camps have a fight, have a good argument, right? Like, if you're arguing for Burroughs, you're like, hey, make Dake come out of his three-point stance, make him not, you know, get off a knee. Every other guy that wrestled when they were on a knee, they made him get up right away. Anybody that went tripod or quad pod, they made him get up right away. If you're Dake's camp, you're like, look, we, we had all the good leg attacks. Burroughs, you know, if you did some of the still shots, was absolutely smashing him in the forehead and the eyeballs, knocked a couple contact lenses out, and, you know, he got put on a shot clock twice, scored on one of it, one of them, 
And, you know, that's, it's hard to win that way. So, you know, it's, it's, it's whoever you're really biased towards. You're going to look at the match through those, those eyes. Um, I actually talked to the referee after that finals match and he, and I asked him about two or three calls and he's like, you know, these are not cut and dry. It's not black and white. It's gray and it's interpretation. And, you know, he was, you know, he was the same ref standing on the side with, uh, the correct throw at 65 kilos, which I'm sure we'll get to. And even the referees don't like some of the rules, but their job is to interpret them. Um, I think the rules were as big of a star of the weekend as anything. Cause there's a lot of rules that are set up where the referees can decide the match. And I think if you're a conspiracy theorist, you think UWW did this. So when you go international, it's a lot harder for the Americans to win. And it really sort of feels that way. I've talked to people that are a lot smarter than me and that's what they think. And I can't disagree with them. It kind of feels that way. So, I, I do feel like, I mean, I know there's some other good guys at that weight. I mean, Deeringer, you know, and Valencia and Chris Perry, and I'm sure Mark Hall will probably wrestle it that weight, but it feels like those two are destined to meet again in, in the final two out of three. I mean, I know you were there watching. What did you think about that? Well, to your point about, uh, you know, the rules being the big star of the weekend, I uh, I totally agree. I, I think that uh, – you know, and I go back to 2013 and, and when we got in this position of the sport and the predicament with, uh, you know, wrestling being put on the chopping block for the Olympics and, and you know, the leadership change at, at the international governing body uh, when Nenad Lalovic got in charge. I, re- I remember, you know, I was at the Des Moines Register and, and, and my former colleague Bryce Miller and I did like a 26-week project where we wrote about something every week in uh you know in a weekly series that that had to do with with wrestling and its place in in the olympics how it got put in this place you know where the fight stood and uh the the thing that i vividly remember the most out of all of that was lalovich saying i want to make the you know the sport more viewer friendly make it so somebody that's never seen wrestling before can come into an arena and sit down, and by the time they leave at the end of the day, they can understand the rules. And, and I think ever since then, it's gotten further and further and further from that mission, little by little. And you know, it seemed like seemed like everything was on the right track there for for several months, and and it just seems like it's like just gotten a little off off path here. I don't know what you yeah. think, but uh, no, I, but it, I, I, you know. It's it's crazy. So first of all, you, you not you, but the general public. We all need to understand they they what they run tournaments in one day. They run them straight through. You know, it's not a double elimination like most of us are used to. They don't want overtimes. And then you start. You have you have movements that somehow equate to each other. So you hit me in a perfect high crotch or a double leg. That's two points. Then you post me on the head one too many times. It's interpreted as I hand to the eyes, and that's two points plus a caution for me. We're just not used to that being equivalent in folk style, right? Like, you're going to get warned. You might get a, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, and it's one. And I, I think they should change that rule to one point, and they should just – you get one verbal, and then they just start calling it. And, and it's you know, these wrestlers, they're like kids. It's like testing curfews. They're going to just keep pushing it until you hit them with it. But if the second time I hit you in the head, they go, point, I'll stop. You know, I'll stop. I mean, that, that's just, it's kind of like the new scramble rule that may go into effect, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The good guys are going to wrestle different. So, yeah. I mean, everybody adjusts to the rules. You know, I saw a guy out there who I truly respect, saw him across the gym, walked up to him. Didn't even say hi, and he goes, these bleepity bleep rules are so bleepity bleep ridiculous, I can't believe it. Didn't even say hello. Like, that's how bad it was. First thing he said, I'm like, how you doing, man? You know, it's like, it's so frustrating for people because it, it just, it, like you said, the common person cannot understand who's winning. Good people don't know who's winning. You know, and then they change rules, and some of the guys are really smart about it, right? Like with the shot clock, now, you know, if you're on the shot clock and it hits 30, they give me one, but they don't stop it. Well, that's what Ramos did. 
he waited, but if you score in that period, you don't get the extra point. He got that leg up on Garrett, looked over at the shot clock, waited for the shot clock to run out, and then finished the move. Yeah. So yep. really smart, really smart wrestling. You know, and so, but again, that's an adjustment because you know six months ago or however long that was, you know, you you think differently because the rules are different. They're, they're going to stop it, so I'd have to go hard for a finish, or just hang out and make sure I get my one. So yeah, 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 yeah. And I think uh, you know, looking at the the big picture and trying to to attract more fans of the sport, you know. I don't know how you do this. I, I think it, it, it in some way, you know, you can do it in the United States. I don't know, you know, international language barriers. I don't know how effective it would be, but, but I think, you know, in some way, shape or form officials need to be mic'd up or, you know, be able to explain what is going on to the people in the stands. I mean, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the Marinelli McFadden match, in the semis of the UWW juniors, but, but, uh, I was standing mad side and, uh, Alex Marinelli, um, I, I'm trying to remember how the match was playing out. I think, I think he was behind on criteria, like, like it might've been tied and he was behind on criteria and he got to McFadden's leg and was close to finishing a takedown. And then, um, then he went out, they, they went out simultaneously, went out, didn't know who the point was going to go to. I think it was originally awarded to Marinelli, and, and, and I could be wrong with some of the details here, um, but, but uh, they, they went and they looked at it. Um, the officials reviewed it. They gave the point back to McFadden. They took it off the board from Marinelli, gave it back to McFadden. The Iowa corner, they threw the block. It got reviewed again, and it got reversed. So Marinelli won won the challenge, won the won the match, and and I'm standing there mat side, and I'm wondering like what the hell just happened? Like how did like like what was the point for in the first place? You know that, that they waved right. it off. What did they see that they waved it off? And then what did they see the second time around that they didn't see the first time that they changed their minds? You know that and and uh, you know how, how many people do you think? It, at first, you know, give me give me a percentage number here. How many people you think sitting in the stands knew what was going on with Oliver and Rutherford? You, you I'd, say ten. I'd say 10 to 25 because I was Matt's side, and I was standing next to guys. And this was the comment. I was literally – I heard Logan Stieber talking to Reese Humphrey. They were like, yeah, that was a correct throw. It's a really dumb call, but that's the right call. Based on the rules, yeah. it's a really dumb rule, but that's the right call. I loved Adam Tirapelli's tweet, and Adam Tirapelli, uh, uh, you know, one of the brightest wrestling minds that I've been around yeah. in in the sure. twenty years that I've I've covered this sport. Um, his tweet the other day, uh, and I'll read it to you verbatim here: "Correct throw that doesn't actually score as it was intended can't be that correct. Yeah. Way too subjective. Wrestling was doing great." Don't fall into the Fila trap of constant rule changes and manufactured points. Clear, concise rules that encourage risk all that's needed. Dead on. Absolutely. They should probably change that move to incorrect throw or attempted throw with great counter or something, right? But, but you know, the <laughs> thing is, you know, I mean, like, I, I'm friends with Jordan. I've known Jordan a long time, and the one thing I have to give him credit for was at least he went for it, right? You know what I mean? He he, he put the referee in a decision in a position to make a decision, and everybody agreed that was actually the right call. Yeah. So you know the rules. I I heard a couple other high level guys. I was talking to them like we practice that position all the time. I'm like really? They're like yeah, leg up, 15 seconds left or less. You know whatever kind of throw you can hit, go for it because what's the difference if you're losing? So, again, that's adjustments. So, you know, if they get rid of that throw, then guys will, you know, kick out and wrestle or, you know, they'll do something different. Yeah, it's – I think we're so used to – and the other thing is our mindset is so used to control, right? Folk-style wrestling is about control. Freestyle wrestling is about exposure. It's kind of like when I started doing jiu-jitsu. Like, you know, I'd hold this guy down, and the guy goes, it doesn't matter. You're going to lose on referee's decision because you're not attempting to submit. And that's, you know, you have to adjust. 
And, you know, we, we, we love folk style. It's our style. And, you know, that's what we watch, you know, really eight months of the year. And so, you know, we, we kind of think, well, that's silly. You know, you took all the, you know, you got one shot and I hit one, you know, one head pinch and I went four to two. You know, that doesn't seem right, but th- that's the rules that has been around forever. So I, I don't know the short answer. Terrapelli is a really smart guy and he, he said something really smart. But I do think you need to continue to encourage taking risk to score points. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I've, I've kind of come around a little bit on criteria. Um, you know, at first, it's, I, was, I was adamantly against it. But, uh, you know, I certainly don't think that that's the biggest problem in the sport. Um, you know, and I, I understand, too, you know, like I said, going through that Olympic project and seeing the other side of why they were doing some of the things they were doing with the rules. You know, you're talking about trying to to fit the Olympic program into a into a certain time frame time window, and and you get matches, um, you, you know, and I don't know how many of them w- would go on for minutes and minutes and minutes beyond just six minutes, but uh, you get enough of them that that get delayed, and you start getting some of these uh, video reviews in there that take forever, and suddenly, Correct. like, you know, the Olympic program that's supposed to go let's say five hours ends up being 545 or six hours. And, and, you know, like I said, wrestling's in a sport where it needs to um, appease, you know, not just wrestling fans, but, but the casual sports fans and make it easy for them to understand. But also, um, you know, I think that that's, that is what um, the, the, you, um, the IOC is looking for in terms of, some of the sports yeah. that uh, have been in and some that have been out on the Olympic program, you, you can kind of look and see which ones are easy to follow, which ones are doing a good job of marketing their sports, making it easy uh, for, for casual fans to become uh, casual sports fans to become fans of that sport. And that's where I think wrestling needs to go. And, and yeah. like I said, it seems like it's getting to be a, a little bit more of a departure uh, from the the original mission, and it's kind of like uh, uh, if you're out to sea and you're setting your your course a certain direction, and you get off just a few degrees, you're going to end up a long, long way from from where you intended to be. Well, the coolest match I ever watched in my life was the Dennis Hall Brandon Paulson Olympic final Olympic qualifier match, and it was I think in '04, '08 in Dallas, yep. whichever okay. one that was. '04 in Indy. Indy, correct. And I was sitting next to my dad on one side and Dan Gable on the other side. So literally the coolest seat in the arena I could have. And as that match kept going, Dan Gable kept like hitting me and punching me in the arm about how cool. I mean, that arm was bruised and I couldn't say anything. It was Dan Gable, you know, but that match went 19 minutes, I think. And, you know, that's, I think, like it, it goes to your point. You know, if we have a couple of those. It drags it out. And as it is, like you're saying, you know, if I lose to you and there's anything, like even like, oh, the guy's shoelace might have been on a tie, they're going to throw the brick because there's nothing to lose. So it drags these matches out anyway. So I don't know what the answer is. They'll adjust it. I almost think they need to change the whole point system and, you know, make like takedowns worth three. And if you're going to make a, you know, a bunch of head slaps, caution and two, then the takedown still needs to be worth more than that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm yeah. with you there. It can't be more. It cannot be more than a takedown. Than, uh, a takedown. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. So any any other takes on Vegas? Yeah, I mean, if you go by weight class, I mean, Tony Ramos. It feels like he's made that adjustment and started to blend that North Carolina Oklahoma State style in with his Iowa style, and that guy is really clutch. Uh, I thought Garrett looked amazing till the finals, and he looked really good for about four or five minutes of the finals. Uh, so yeah, I mean that was that was interesting. A um, lot of points at at sixty one kilos, and uh, there was also <laughs> the Shazer head slaps going on in there. That probably was like the worst set of refereeing. Like, how did that guy not get kicked out of the tournament twice? Just open hand head slapping people for no like not even disguising it as a wrestling move. Uh that was like Dallas to San Jelayo. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And somebody said that, they go, Yeah, well you know what? You do a Sajalayam and that stops everything. So yeah. <laughs> uh 
I recruited Brandon Wright coming out of high school, and I'm friends with his dad, Tim. He was a four-time D2 national champ. Uh, Tim was at SIU Edwardsville here. And uh, so, I mean, it was – he's a super talented guy, and he made a great run. You know, Ken Dig wrestled in border brawl, and he made another great run. And, you know, that was a that, – that weighed in a lot of high-scoring guys, like Ken Dig and Brewer and Maple scores a lot of points. Feels like, you know, Logan Stevers – you know, that, that feels like a way where it's going to be really tough to unseat him, though. Um, 65 kilos, and we kind of touched on it. Oliver, you know, he's found ways in the past to not win those matches, and he found a way to win them this time. It seems like his he's really living the championship lifestyle now. And, you know, when you beat Zane and you beat Molinaro back-to-back and you win by scoring last, not by running out to a lead and hanging on, uh, I think that's a big confidence builder for him, and it'll be interesting because if this, you know, if it if it holds, Molinero would wrestle Zane in the finals to get to Oliver. So I think you know that's an interesting dichotomy there. Uh, James Green looked really good. Although, did you see the very end of the Green Kolchitsky match? Uh, I did not. I, I I like you know I, I was spending most of the night over at the interview station there and uh most of the the tournament that i watched is going to be on the on the computer but i had my back to uh had my back to the championship match most of the night unfortunately well so greens went in the match i think it's like four to one it's you know three to one four to one something like that five to one and the referee goes three two one and greens in like a real loose bear hug and kolchitsky's in double overs and you can see he's just trying to load them up and they go, two, one, time. And it clearly it says time. And Green relaxes. And Kolchitsky hits the sweetest, you know, back south of for four. I mean, that wasn't points. It was clearly afterwards. But it's, it just goes to show you, you relax for a half a second. And there's so many good guys. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, he was feet overhead so quick. So... Huh. And, you know, Green's the same. You know, I, I think Green's the guy that would do the best for us at the Worlds uh, at that weight, obviously, based on his on his history. And we talked about 74 kilos, 86 kilos. Um, I talked to a guy who's, you know, works with uh, his friend works with David Taylor as his nutritionist. And he was showing me the training that they're doing to get him up to that weight class. And it's so next level. It's amazing. Like they're cooking in specific pans so that like you're getting copper and not zinc in your diet, like secondhand. And I mean, you know, I told my dad, I go, if you look at David Taylor as a freshman, his body and his face, and you looked at him this last weekend, that didn't even look like those two guys are related. I mean, he, he, he looks like a full grown 189 now. I don't know if he's cutting any weight, but he certainly looks big for the weight. And I thought Heflin had a, a surprisingly, Good tournament. You know, you wouldn't have picked him to take third coming in. And then, you know, Downey had a really good tournament, too. And we've been, you know, kind of talking about him all year. He had a really good tournament. And then 213 or 97, you know, Kyvin really controlled the bracket. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where Kyvin and Kilgore and those guys get seated. I imagine it'll be 1-2 or 2-1 in one way or another. You know, but they still got to go through Snyder. So that's that's a tough road to hoe. And then lastly, you know, Gwizdowski, I think a lot of us who've watched him wrestle over the years thought eventually he would be the successor to Travell, and he's at least taken the initial step to do that by putting himself in the finals, you know, and finally getting past Ray. I mean, I don't think he'd ever beat Ray till this weekend. Is that is that right? I'm not 100% sure on that, but it, uh, I think he might be right. I think well, I, there's always a chance I might be I right. I can't read. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> More often than not, I'm not, but once in a while I am. Yeah, so I think but, that's but right. But to your point, to your point, I mean, you look at uh, you look at the international heavyweights, and I think back to two years ago in Vegas at the World Championships and the semifinals. The heavyweight yeah. semifinals were both sub-minute tech balls. Guys getting after after getting out there scoring takedowns, turns, ending it early. I mean, these you know some of these foreign uh, heavyweights. Uh, you know, 
if they were in the United States, they'd be the type that, that would wind up playing D end or, or linebacker or tight end in the NFL. I mean, you know, how athletic, big and strong and athletic and, you know, but, uh, Gwazdowski kind of fits that mold, right? I mean, he, he yeah. he's a guy that can go get takedowns, get multiple takedowns, has a lot of good stuff on his feet. You saw him scramble um, in the semis against yeah. Dom Bradley there. He um, was losing to Dom. Yeah. Yeah. A guy that's really athletic and, and can score in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. I think some of these uh, some of these guys – in the heavyweight weight class. Well, I mean, we talked about it in the college season, how, how the heavyweight class was evolving, you know, with Snyder and, and, you know, Gwiz a year ago and, and Ty Walls putting up 20 points time after time after time. And so really cool to see. body types. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. yeah. Re- really yeah. cool to see that, uh, that heavyweight in the United States is, is evolving to that territory too. And that's one thing we've talked here, how maybe some parts of this wrestling isn't uh, fan-friendly or new fan-friendly. Big, fat, obese guys leaning on each other is not happening anymore, and that's great for wrestling. You know, like, you know, if you, you brought a fan and teach him to wrestling, like, you just try to pull him out after 197 or two, whatever it is, in high school, 220, and go, let's go. Because you know, you get these, you know, it used to be just these big, fat turds leaning on each other, and now you don't have that. I mean, that you know... Those matches were really athletic. I mean, and Zach Ray's a big dude, but I mean, he doesn't. He he goes the whole time. Telford's gigantic, and he goes the whole time. So uh, maybe my favorite moment of the weekend though was Telford acting like a bouncer, pulling apart Dardine and his shazer after that slap. And then like 30 seconds later, they just shake hands and go yeah. watching like the final match standing next to each other. Like only in wrestling can that happen, and it just be over uh-huh. that quick, <laughs> you know. So yeah, gotta love that. Yeah, yep. I've always said, I've always said that like wrestling we're the we're the biggest, most dysfunctional family, but we're a family, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's like the perfect illustration of that, right? There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> how about life uh, is like family? On, <laughs> how about on the Greco and, and women's side? Anything there? Do you stick out? <laughs> I I just am so impressed watching Helen Marulis wrestle. Um, I just she's so good, like she's so she's so technically sound, and and it's not she's not technically sound for a girl or for a woman. She's just technically sound, like her position, her head position. You know, her her elbows don't come out. I mean, I talked to somebody this weekend that said her game plan against Yoshida was to not shoot because. The counter offense from from the Japanese girl is so good that she just wanted to hang around and keep it close and put her in a stressful situation and shoot when she was when her opponent was tired and the ability to execute a game plan like that, which has to be a little terrifying in the biggest moment of your life and execute it perfectly and and put that shin wizard in and defend and defend uh, she was really impressive Victoria Anthony just. Wow. Straight killed people in that that bracket. That was that, the finals looked like she was drilling and like drilling against someone who's not very good. I mean, that was frightening, you know. And I I love Greco. I mean, I wrestled Greco. I was good at Greco. Um, you know, Randy's a Couture's a good friend of mine. He was a Greco guy, and you know, we liked we went and watched the, a lot of the Greco on Friday, and you know. Um, I'm friends with Ellis. You know, his brother wrestled for us, so it was cool to see him make the team. Uh, just, it was cool to see Spencer Mango, who I've known forever, coaching. You know, he's doing a good job there. And, uh, that, that you know, I had Gary Mayab. I'm going to have Gary Mayab on Matt Chat, you know, his new job there with the Greco program. So it feels like USA Wrestling is committing some, some real resources and people to try to, to try to change our trend at, uh, of what's going on in Greco, which, you know, obviously was a pretty pretty rough Olympic performance, you know. So um, Gary's a good recruiter. You know, I mean, he's going to probably go around and get I, – I talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, we got to start getting, you know, some of the top athletes that want to do Greco after college and not just automatically go to freestyle. So I think – How about that, the that, Greco team, though? How, how about that Greco team? It's such a weird group of, of – just a hodgepodge group. You've got, you know, a guy and, and – 
have a Zov that that just uh, that will that won the lottery to become an American citizen. You got a guy in Ellis Coleman that became this like internet sensation with the flying squirrel, and then he has setbacks, and now he comes back and makes the team. Manville, um, you know, everybody thought he was going to Penn State, and he, and he you know, he said afterward that he's going to eventually wind up there, but. Uh, you know, he winds up in Colorado Springs and a year out of high school wrestles Bay, you know, who's a year out of high school for a spot on the team. Chaney Haight was a 2011 world team member who retired after 2012 <laughs> and and comes back. And, and here he is at 32 and, and the young guys on the team, like call him Uncle Chaney. Yeah. <laughs> And um, Provisor Robbie Smith coming off Olympic spots. G. Angelo Hancock, another guy that uh, uh, you know, a young guy, up and comer. So it's it's super um, talented. Hancock is super talented. Yeah, and and then you know, throw Patrick Smith in there. It's just such a a, a unique, diverse group of guys. Um, but those, but anyway, I mean, is there? Go ahead, David. No, those Greco guys. They don't. They're like. They're like a lot of MMA guys. They're like, you know, they came through JUCO or NAIA or D2 or D3. Like, they don't take the path you see of, you know, like if you look at the guys that won the freestyle trials, Ramos, national champ, Steber, four-time champ, the guy that won the bracket, Maple, former champ, Oliver, national champ, uh, James Green, okay, four, three or four-time, four-time All-American, Burroughs, champ, Taylor, champ, and a lot of these guys more than one-time champs, obviously, Snyder, champ. Quiz champ, you know. Then you look at the the collegiate resumes of the Greco guys, and you're digging around because it's just not that cut and dry. So, you know, I was sitting next to some guys, and I'm like, if I was recruiting Greco, I'd look at all the freestyle guys that you know are maybe like fourth to eight that realistically can't make the ladder, maybe have a bad time defending their legs, and are really good at gut wrenching dudes. And I would recruit the hell out of those guys. And there's guys at every weight you can look at that would probably transition really well so you know um i just can't say it enough people should go watch that tournament it's so cool you know and i think you know tickets are like 50 bucks or something or maybe 100 but i mean they're not and that's for the all the sessions so and there was like you said so much wrestling and i think we retracted it's not too much it's just so much to watch and it's so good you, you feel like no matter what you watch you're like oh i missed that i missed that but it's so good, and there's so many top-level guys. And the guys are, are really friendly. I mean, like I said, a ton of dudes signing autographs and everything like that. I hope, you know, I hope the world team trials are attended really well. We're going to try to pump that up when we talk to Coach Manning this week, which will go on next week. But, you know, maybe that being in the Midwest and, it, you know, maybe being a, a cheaper drive for a lot of people, that that will be attended really well because that was a super cool meet to watch. I can just tell you that. Well, we got some awesome stuff on track wrestling this week. Uh, as I mentioned, European Championships started early this morning. I was up at uh, 3 a.m. when those things kicked off, 3 a.m. Central <laughs> Time. Uh, you know, always fun to watch. You know, guys that I, you know, around the globe that you don't you don't get to see all that often. Right. Um, and then then coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Pan Am Championships. Uh, those, again, will be live on track wrestling. Uh, just a quick rundown of the rosters for those, and we, we can we can hit on those, David, if you want. Uh, let, let's start with Greco. 59 kilos, Ryan Mango, 66, Hayden Tuma, 71, Pat Smith, 75, Kamal Bay, 80, Chaney Hate, Uncle Chaney, oh. 85, Ben Provisor, 98, G'Angelo Hancock, 130, Robbie Smith. Women's freestyle, Victoria Anthony at 48 kilos, Olympian Haley Augello at 53, Becca Leathers at 55, Kayla Miracle at 58, Allie Reagan at 60, Mallory Veltz at 63, Forrest Molinari at 69, and Victoria Francis at 75. So six of the eight world team members uh, for the women's freestyle team, they're going to be on the map this weekend. And uh, men's freestyle, 57 kilos, Tyler Graff, 61, Logan Stieber, 65, Kellen Russell, 70, James Green, 74, Kyle Rochelle, 86, Gabe Dean, 97, Kyle Snyder making his return to the mat for the first time since NCAA championships, 125, Dom Bradley. So, David, uh, you're going to have your eye on, on Pan Am's? You're going to be watching those? 
Yeah, especially now that they're using those as the points because they're going to do seeding. So, I mean, that's important, you know. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know me, I'm just a wrestling nerd, so I'll probably end up watching it anyway, you know. So, but, yeah, there's a secondary part to that. And, you know, I think for, like, especially, like, the Greco team, there's a chance, you know, besides the Cubans, they shouldn't be underdogs in a lot of matches down there. And, you know, that's how you build. You know, we talk about these college programs that build, and you got to go to some places that maybe you haven't won, but you're not that far behind, and you figure out a way to win those matches, and then you just start going from there. So, you know, hopefully, obviously, we all hope the Americans just crush it and do great. But, you know, that there's some momentum built there. Everybody stays healthy, and, you know, they they start going in the right direction. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's – it's that'll be really cool to watch for sure. So and then and then we talked about this kind of at the top. The, the two piece uniforms are now a thing, right? Or at least an option. Yeah, that was passed today. Or yeah. announced today. Yeah. Well, my dad's a big proponent of that. He coaches at a, a small school, and he said there's a lot of kids that just don't want to wrestle because they don't want to be in a singlet. And even Art Martori mentioned that in in his interview with us that you know, hey, if that's what it takes to you know drive wrestling numbers up. Then do it. So it'll be interesting. You know, like in college, really, it's been Edinburgh primarily, right? That's that's promoted these. So I think Duke has a little bit too. It seems right. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like they have, like, or at least maybe the the tops. I could be wrong on that, but well, we had some cool ones made from Missouri Border Brawl, and uh, they were done by Rudis, and they were super cool. And I I think. You know, you, there were kind of a vision of what stuff could look like with the school colors and where those kids wrestled in college or where they were training out of. So uh, I think there's – I think you could make some really, you know, make some cool stuff and probably make some more money for the school because, you know, people walk into the bookstore, they're a lot more likely to buy shorts or T-shirts that look like those. And they're not buying singlets, that's for sure. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, that that might actually help help prove that wrestling can be profitable, which, again, we talked about a week or two ago, that the more you can do that, the more likely we are to grow the sport. So, I think I was mistaken. I think Connor Hartman just wore a shirt underneath, or like a compression shirt or something underneath his singlet. Maybe That's just right. Him. him when he had the 25-minute uh, uh, funk roll with Far, right? That scramble that yeah. lasted like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a whole period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Edinburgh's done it, though. I know Edinburgh has for sure. You know, they've, they've pushed but the envelope. Think, yeah, and I think, you know, I really don't see any downside to it. I mean, we got declining numbers uh, at the high school level. And, you, you know, to the point your dad made, I mean, you, you, how many kids even at the lower, lo- like younger levels, uh, just don't want to wear the singlet? You know, they're just not comfortable wearing the singlet. Yeah, yeah, two kids quit because of the singlet. And, and you know. I mean, that's, that's easily co- correctable. That's something that. You know, if you don't want to wear the singlet and you you know you want to wear compression shorts or you want to wear the wrestling shorts and a compression top, yeah. you know if, if that's going to keep people in the sport, if that's going to give them a better experience, if that's going to make the sport stronger in the long run, then why 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 is it taking us this long to do it? You know, there's and, a lot of traditionalists, but yeah, I agree. Well, and you hear that, and I've seen this a couple places where people have said. Uh, if they can't handle wearing the singlet, then they're, you know, they shouldn't be in the sport in the first place. But, uh, you know, I think that's a completely backward line of thinking. And, and uh, you know, I, I sit here and I see um, results coming in from high school dual meets all the time. And, and this is, uh, you know, in Iowa where I'm seeing this, not um, places that, where, yeah. yeah, where wrestling is less popular and forfeits are rampant. At the high school level, I've you know my last year at the Des Moines Register, uh, Thursday nights I would I would uh, monitor what was going on around the state, and there were there were a couple times where I'd see you know dual meets where there'd only be like two or three matches wrestled out of fourteen, and and uh, it was pretty alarming to me to see that you know I didn't realize that you know even you know in Iowa that forfeits were this much out of control and. And anything we can do to bump up participation numbers and, and 
reverse that trend that's that's uh, headed in the wrong direction. I think I think we got to take a long, hard look at it. And, and this is one to me that's it's a pretty simple fix. And it's it's probably not going to cure, all, you know, it's certainly not going to cure all the uh, the problems with with the participation numbers. But I think it's gonna it's gonna see the the trend slow down, maybe head yeah. the, the other direction. You got to think globally, right? Like you know. If you've ever coached a program or, like, you cover a program, you just deal with your own stuff. And, you know, it's the trees and the forest analogy. And it's good that these people are thinking globally because it's the – like you said, if if my dad had two guys quit, there's probably a lot of schools that had two guys quit. And who cares yeah. if they went out and got pinned? They wrestled. They got to experience wrestling. They got to be around a, a, a great mentor and, and my father and the other coaches on that staff. You know, they they got to experience wrestling. They got, you know, when they get to do harder things in life, they're like, I wrestle, I can do this. Not everybody's going to be Jordan Burroughs or Kyle Snyder or, you know, whoever. Not everybody's going to be even a state champion, you know. But I know some of the guys that love wrestling the most were some of the most average wrestlers I know. But they learned so much about it. And it was because it was hard for them, you know, they actually – got more out of it in some ways, you know, cause they just struggled. They struggled the whole time. And, you know, but they're like, I did that. I can do this now. You know, I can make, you know, if I'm in sales, I can make an extra 15 phone calls. You know, if I'm this, you know, I can go hire the right people. I can do these interviews. I can do whatever. And I think, you know, we all get, you know, when you coach, you just hang up, get hung up on winning and the bottom line result. A lot of the growth of wrestling is in the journey and not just in the destination. So, I'm with you on on the uniform thing, and I have to be with you because if I wasn't, I'd be against my dad, and that will never happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of reasons, besides the fact that at 70-something, probably still kick my butt. So, but, yeah, I, I, it's a good first step, I hope. And it's, if the, some of the big colleges do it, it's going to catch on like crazy in the high schools, for sure. You know, so and I actually think they're they're cheaper to buy you know, from a lot of the companies that make them, you know, the shorts, shirt combo are cheaper to buy than singlet. So, you know, there's, there's some, another way to look at it. So. Yep. Yep. Well, anything else you want to hit David? I'm going to, I got a chance to meet Art Martori, shake his hand this weekend, which was super cool for me after him coming on the show. And that, that I think is still up this week. He was awesome. He told some great stories. And I'm going to have Chris Roseman on from the St. Louis Sports Commission to talk about the bidding process and then the execution process of hosting the Nationals. And then uh, Mark Manning is going to come on the following week and talk about uh, JG and JB and uh, Nebraska and then, you know, what to expect from the world team trials. So got some good guys lined up, and uh, it's been it was cool to kind of talk to a lot of people there that, we, we were able to get a few more things lined up coming up this month. A couple of you and I have been working on a long time. I think they're finally going to come to fruition. So, you know, until they happen, I'm not going to say anything, but we're excited about, you know, where Matt Chat's going as well. Awesome. Well, hey, that'll do it for this week's episode of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. Thank you for listening. Check back to trackwrestling.com for coverage of the European Championships, the Pan Am championships this weekend all the american stars are i shouldn't say all but a lot of american stars will be on the mat this weekend kyle snyder logan steber james green Haley augello robbie smith and many many more so check that out thank you david mercatani as always thank you sir and we will be back next week is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.